Hey guys, just before we jump into the episode, today we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and we extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today. This episode is brought to you by the Site Collaborative, our online psychology clinic bringing good quality accessible therapy to you in the comfort of your own home. Hello everybody, welcome to our new format. These are going to be called our 10 minute Tuesdays. This might be a little bit ambitious for us. We (laughs) do tend to yabber on, but we are going to try and keep this short, sharp and sweet for you. And we are talking anger today. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about anger. It's something that we do get asked a lot about. So I guess the format of these episodes will be to keep it really short and little snippets of things that we talk about, I guess, in therapy. And hopefully they are helpful for you lovely listeners at home. Or in the car, or at work, or on your walk, or in, on your listen to your podcast <laughs> coming from Amy and Kat. God, it's already been two minutes. I'm stressed that we're not going to be like this. <laughs> Maybe twenty minute Tuesday might be more. Um. <laughs> oh, I like that twenty minute Tuesday. There's a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit more mm. flexibility, not as much pressure. I like that. Also, thirty is a T as well. Thirty minute Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, let's see how far we can go. <laughs> All right, Amy, talk to me about anger. What is anger? Well, anger is an emotion, but I feel like anger is one of the most highly stigmatized emotions. Mm. Um, and I feel like anger tends to be one of those things that we view in a really negative light. And because it is such an uncomfortable emotion that a lot of us tend not to have developed the tools to sit with anger and relate to this big emotion. So we either feel like we are overcome with anger like a big eruption or we tend to bypass our anger you know I will often hear people clinically or or in my personal life my friends um you know someone bypasses anger when they say I never get angry I'm not an angry person and they end up suppressing their anger into their body which can create a whole host of issues uh so today hopefully we can really explore some you know, how to have a healthy relationship um, with anger. It's got a bad rap, anger, doesn't it? It always seems mm. to, as you're absolutely right, Ames, it, it's got a real negative stigma around anger and it's almost like this idea that we're not allowed to be angry. And I think just really want to normalise that anger is just another emotion. It's part of being human. You know, anger is a really normal thing to come up for us and it typically may be an emotional response to a violation of our boundaries uh, when we feel fear or hurt or a response to perceived injustice in our environment. So anger is really normal and it's something that a lot of us feel and there's nothing wrong with being angry. I think it's just what we do with the anger that is important to note here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to maybe challenge how we see anger. I think for females especially, Mm -hmm. the idea of being a polite girl or a good girl can cause us to avoid our anger and leave ourselves... uh, 
you know, kind of stuffing that anger. And I think when we begin to open ourselves up to anger as being okay and being normal, we can see it as a signal that reveals when, like you say, cat boundaries have been violated or there is something that we need to stand up for. You know, when we own our anger in our body, we can unlock stuck points from the past and that heals trauma. You know, anger hangs around until we act. It inspires us to take action. Anger is our power if we get to know it. Like you say, it's it's going to be there, but it's about what we do with it. Absolutely. And I think there is such a, a healthy part of anger, which is so normal and so okay. Feeling angry, it's healthy. I mean, there are actually are some things that are helpful when we feel anger. I mean, anger mm. motivates us. It motivates us to change something. It's a really integral part of the fight-flight mechanism. So anger can also act as a survival mechanism. It can make us aware of injustice. It can push us towards our goals. And it really does instill a sense of control, being getting angry, feeling a little bit more powerful rather than powerless. So I guess going to the functions of anger, Ames, what are some things that you think anger functions to do? Absolutely. Well, like you said, Kat, anger is related to the fight, flight, freeze response of the sympathetic nervous system. It prepares us to fight. Mm. By fight, But fighting does not necessarily mean throwing punches. It might you know, motivate us, like you said, to combat injustice. So when you are angry, there is some strong chemicals activated like adrenaline and testosterone. The amygdala, our little smoke alarm, initially triggers anger being one of the most primitive parts of our brain. And that is where we feel that increased heart rate, that angry energy, you know, body contractions, that blood flow. It kind of feels hot, like you know, fiery anger. Mm. Um, And when your body reacts in rage, it actually ramps up the intensity of anger. So it's literally like, again, like I said, that primitive brain, it's literally like being four again or, or being a young child again. And the brain also secretes norepinephrine, which is an analgesic. So when we are confronted with physical or psychological pain or the threat of pain, remembering that the brain you know, primarily likes to avoid pain. And I guess anger is a really great way to avoid other uncomfortable emotions. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But the internal activation of the anger response will kind of essentially numb it. So anger at times is a double-edged sword. It can be really, uh, I guess, crucial in enabling many vulnerable people but it can also kind of hinder us from being vulnerable in that sense so ultimately anger comes out when we have an unmet need so again thinking of it like a child who didn't get what they needed they'll stamp their feet they'll yell um, you know they'll beg their parents to meet their needs by being really loud for some adults the activation of anger feels unsafe because of past experiences of punishment. So instead, they might flip into a maladaptive coping mechanism of shutdown or inhibit the anger to prevent further punishment or ejection. And this is equally unhelpful as they don't express their unmet needs. And then I guess that's where we see anger as a secondary emotion. So again, in my own clinical experience and in my personal life, anger is almost never a primary emotion in that it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. And there's always often another underlying emotion like feelings of 
uh, disrespect, not feeling safe, that triggers anger to draw attention to that unmet need or that injustice. Yeah, absolutely. You're so spot on there, Ames. Anger is often a secondary emotion. And I think anger really functions to protect us and defend us from that those really unpleasant emotions, as you spoke about, Ames, really uncomfortable emotions. I think also bringing in vulnerability here. I think the more vulnerable we feel, the higher we perceive the threat and therefore the more angry that we can get. The function of anger does protect us from feeling vulnerable in some sense, doesn't it? And mm. and when we're vulnerable, we feel quite powerless. We feel quite naked. We feel as though we lose a bit of power and control. And therefore, anger is such a quick way to regain some control or perceived control over a threat. And I think there's also some work into ego. And I think there's an association with ego. And when our ego is threatened, I think anger is such a secondary response to that as well it's a soft spot our ego sometimes i won't go into ego too much because that's a whole other freudian thing but it is really interesting to note that when our ego feels violated or threatened we generally will get um our secondary emotion will be anger and i think also other other things that can come up um in terms of the secondary emotion being a response to pain discomfort Uh, as we said before, perceived injustice, feelings of guilt, shame, fear is such a big one, grief Mm. and sadness. I think that there are also other things that anger can really be the secondary response to is those either those physical symptoms or the emotional feelings that we feel. And I think that that's interesting to note because one thing I've noticed is with anger is that someone will get angry and it's usually at something that is not the actual cause of their anger. It's just been the the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Sometimes when we're working with clients, you work backwards and you can see that it was actually a response. The anger started well before the trigger. (laughs) Mm. Unfortunately, they had the space for it to develop into anger and anger is such a quick communication tool to be like, I'm not okay. I'm not doing well. I want to regain control of this situation. So therefore I'll get angry. So it's interesting to note as well that the secondary emotion doesn't come instantly. It actually can take a little bit of time for the anger to develop. Mm, Absolutely. So talk to me about a coping, coping mechanisms, Ames. Talk to me about how anger can serve as a coping mechanism. Well, I think like you touched on uh, the ego, uh, sometimes we will see defense mechanisms or manners in which a person behaves or thinks in a certain way to protect or defend their vulnerable self. Defense mechanisms are one way of looking at how people distance themselves from an awareness uh, of unpleasant thoughts, feelings, or behaviors. It, so think of it as more of a primitive defense mechanism. The less effective it works for a person over the, uh, over the long term because usually they are developed when we are children. And adults who do not learn better ways of coping with stress or traumatic events in their lives will often resort to those defense mechanisms. Uh, so, for example... Acting out, which is a defense mechanism, and it is an extreme behavior to express thoughts or feelings the person feels incapable of otherwise expressing. So instead of saying, hey, I'm feeling really angry with you, a person who acts out may instead throw something at the person, slam a door, punch a hole through a wall. 
when a person acts out, it can act as a pressure release Mm -hmm. and often helps the individual feel calmer and peaceful at once. Um, And again, going back to that that child and and sometimes like I said we tend to revert back to a child almost like having a temper tantrum that's a form of acting out you know when he or she doesn't get their own way with a parent um and interestingly self-injury or self-harm may also be a form of acting out because it's expressing that physical pain that we don't have the capacity to feel emotionally Uh, displacement is also a defense mechanism often associated with anger so people often use displacement when they can't express their feelings in a safe environment or in a safe way uh, to the person that their anger is directed at classic example is a person who gets angry at their boss but feels like uh, it's not safe to express that anger at their boss from fear of being fired, Uh, they instead come home and start an argument with their partner. You know, that redirection of anger from the boss to their partner. Naturally, this is an ineffective defense mechanism because while the anger finds a route for expression, its misapplication to the other harmless person or object will cause additional problems for most people. And remember, defense mechanisms are learned or adaptive behaviors, which means as an adult, you can choose, you know, to work and to learn some new behaviors that might be more beneficial for you in life. And many psychotherapists and psychologists um, can help you work on those things too. But self-awareness is a great place to start. Absolutely. As you said, it's a learned behavior. So therefore, this served a function at some stage in your life. If you're someone who does feel angry or does have that emotional expression of anger, to, to engage in any of those coping mechanisms, that probably there was probably a time when that served you in your life and that was helpful. But as Ames was saying, as an adult, that's usually not very helpful. Usually coping mechanisms can be unhelpful and it's about exploring how they've become unhelpful and awareness into how it affects other parts of your life is with that partner example. It's so true, isn't it? We often will, our partner seems to be such an easy target for a lot of the irritation that we keep in or that builds up over the days and, you know, they are our safe person. So we feel we can be angry with them rather than projecting it to the boss who initially was the one that made us feel quite frustrated. I want to talk about anger versus aggression, Ames. Can you talk to Mm. me about the difference? Because they do sound quite similar, don't they? Anger anger and aggression are quite synonymous. Talk to me about the differences, though, between anger and aggression. Absolutely. And I think it is very easy to confuse anger with aggression. Very simply, anger is an emotion. Aggression is a behavior. If you have early exposure to people who used aggression uh, to try to get their demands met or try and get their uh, opinion across, then you may have learnt that one, anger is a bit scary and unsafe and something that maybe you should avoid. And two, that anger is the only way to get people to pay attention to you. Um, and so you might overuse it. That's actually something I see a lot uh, in children. And Kat, I'm sure you would agree with this, working uh, in schools with children that would offer, often be referred to with uh you know, have behavioral complaints for, the, for those children, often it was, aggression was learnt as a way of, well, this is the only way I've learnt to get attention and bad attention is better than no attention. And so I'll overuse this attention as a, as a tool, sorry, I'll overuse this aggression as a tool to gain attention. And I guess neither of those are skillful, but 
absolutely, I guess we can see how often that anger as an emotion is associated with the aggressive behavior. Yeah. And when you work backwards, of course, you understand the aggression. Of course, it's a communication tool, isn't it? It's Mm. a behavior that that says to the world around you that I'm not okay and I need help here. And I think that that's such a sad part of children is that on the surface, they look quite naughty or they look like that they've done something wrong. But when you do go back and work backwards, where did this start? What are your triggers? What what's it like at home for you? It is a defense, isn't it? It's a defense and communication tool that I'm not okay. So usually when, and you probably um, can understand this, when you do get those referrals for, I guess, the quote, angry children, usually they are the children that are living in fear or have been mm. really hurt at some stage in their life. And this is their response. And they're actually not naughty at all. They've just learned to adapt the best way that they know how. Yeah, absolutely. And oftentimes that's punished, shamed or abandoned, which exacerbates the vulnerability, which then exacerbates the aggression, which is the protection of the vulnerability. Mm. Mm. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? And Mm. often there is some shame and guilt and with being angry. And I think that that's why we wanted to say that in the very beginning of the, of the episode, it's okay to be angry. I remember talking to parents and teachers saying, use that language that anger is okay. It's just the aggression that is not separate mm. the emotion from the behavior because kids, I, I remember Ames, I don't know if you've had the same presentation, but kids, when we talk about anger would say, anger is not okay. Like I should not be feeling angry. I should not be feeling any of these feelings of anger and even that extends to adults that I work with is there's this negative stigma around anger and this and so when you emotionally become angry it's almost like I shouldn't be feeling like this mm-hmm. <laughs> and no emotion is wrong you know you're entitled to feel whatever emotion you want but you can see how even as children if they're getting fed this information that anger is bad immediately when you become angry there's shame and guilt already Mm. (laughs) and then you're getting punished for being angry it's very it's a vicious cycle unfortunately Mm, absolutely and so Kat are some people uh, more prone to anger than others (laughs) I'm so glad you asked because I'd (laughs) written exactly an answer to this question Yes, definitely. Um, So I guess from a personality perspective, those who are higher on the neuroticism scale are generally more vulnerable or more likely to express aggression and anger. Um, Also from a gender perspective, also very generalized, but males tend to be more aggressive, but not angrier. So what that means is men are more likely to act out on their anger, uh, but women are better able to control their impulsive responses to anger. Women and men have, uh, studies have shown that they feel anger to the same frequency and intensity as each other. There's no difference, but men are more likely to act on the anger, whereas women have better impulse control. Um, Mm. And that actually has been suggested as a result of the size of the orbital frontal cortex, which is responsible for controlling impulses. Women do have um, bigger frontal cortex and that may be responsible for their more uh, their ability to control their impulses more effectively, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, another group of people that are more likely to get angry is toddlers. Um, this may be due to the developmentally where they're at, uh, generally because of the communication and language limitations. 
toddlers can't communicate their wants and needs quickly and therefore that a response is to get angry to try and communicate that something's wrong right they really lack the articulate language skills that we might have as adults another group that is more likely to experience anger is those who have cognitive impairments such as Alzheimer's. Um, This is because our frontal region is impacted when people are diagnosed with Alzheimer's or degenerative disorders, meaning that it's when that, when that part of your brain is in, is damaged, that part of your brain is actually responsible for understanding your emotions and understanding behaviors. And so when that's damaged, you can understand that anger is such a quick response because anger can be stemming from confusion or fear. And people who do suffer from Alzheimer's, for example, often feel fear and confused. Um, The only other group that I have is who are more likely to experience anger are those who experience trauma, as we said before, Mm. because they are more likely to be in a heightened state of fight or flight and therefore they are may more likely be quicker to react to those primary emotions and act on those you know and anger is that secondary response yeah absolutely and i think too genetic genetics do play a role Mm -hmm. so it is possible that people can have a genetic predisposition so to speak especially if mental illness uh, is part of that so if you are genetically predisposed uh for bipolar disorder or major depression, a common characteristic of each of those disorders uh, is anger or more accurately irritability when it comes to depression. There's also then our environmental factors. So learnt behaviour as we discussed, modelling, children observe a behaviour and then repeat it. So if um, there is a lot of aggression and violence in a home children are more likely to engage in that behavior because that's what's being demonstrated to them. And there was actually an experiment called the Bobo doll experiment, Mm. which, um, study different groups of children who were exposed to different models, one being an aggressive model. And the research has found that children who belong to this aggressive model were far more likely to engage in aggressive behavior than kids that were not exposed to the aggressive model. And then there's also reinforcement. So with reinforcement, an initial aggressive act is rewarded or reinforced, which then I guess encourages the individual to keep um, acting aggressively. So for example, if, you know, acting out or lashing out in anger led to you getting what you wanted when you're a child, then you're more likely to react with anger as an adult because you've learned that in doing so, you'll get what you want or you'll get rewarded for that behavior. I also, I also just wanted to touch on how we learn to cope with anger uh, and end angry feelings. It's often influenced by our upbringing. So many people who are given messages about anger as children that make it, that may make it harder to manage as an adult. For example, if you have been brought up to believe that you should not complain or that it, that you are punished for expressing any emotion. So if you were basically when you cried told to be quiet or when you were angry told to get over it, this could mean that you tend to suppress feelings, including anger. And that can become a really long-term issue where you react inappropriately to new situations that you're not comfortable with because it's never been safe to sit with those emotions, uh, especially anger being quite a big, powerful emotion. If you don't feel you can release your anger in a healthy way, you might also turn this inwards on yourself. You may have witnessed your parents or other caregivers uh, be really angry and lash out 
And that might've looked like it was out of control and you might have learnt that anger was terrifying or really, really scary. And this could mean that now you feel afraid of your own anger and do not feel safe expressing your own emotions or your own feelings of anger. So those feelings then might resurface in other ways that feel a bit disconnected, which may feel really, really hard to explain. And that might look like not actually knowing how you feel or not being able to recognize when you feel angry. Absolutely. Very well said. Um, All right. So tell me, when does anger become a problem? Really good question. I think anger is a problem. And we I think like we kind of say with most things, Kat, anger is a problem when it starts to really impact and become destructive of your Mm -hmm. everyday life. So when it gets a bit out of control, when you notice that, you know, it's starting to harm you and people around you and it's having a real negative impact on your overall mental and physical health. I guess one thing that's important to talk about is anger as a part of grief and that's a little bit different. So if you've lost someone important to you, anger is is kind of one of the stages of grief and that can hugely uh, impact you and be really difficult to cope with. And so I I guess in in that sense, uh, it can be problematic and it's always best to reach out for some professional help in that sense. But yeah, I would say when it starts to impact on your everyday life, that is when anger becomes a bit of a problem. Absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. So as if you are, remember anger is normal. It's when it's what you do with it. That's really important to Mm. remember if you're hurting people around you, if you're feeling like it's out of control, if there's any risk, then that's when you can probably under probably um, identify that it has become an issue that needs further intervention um, or when it is impacting on you and your daily functioning. Absolutely. Mm. And I guess, Further to add to that, I think as we were talking about, some people can develop those unconscious habits or defense mechanisms, transforming almost all of their vulnerable feelings into anger so they can avoid having to deal with them. So that's something to pay attention to as well. And I think if that sounds oddly familiar, then then that might be something to be a little bit curious about as well. And Kat, how... How does anger feel? How would we recognize when we're angry if, say, um, I'm someone listening to this and I don't really know what anger looks like? Yes, it is something that often goes quite unnoticed if this is a learnt behavior or if this is something you have adapted since you were a child because it feels so automatic to you. It feels as automatic to you as breathing and walking you know if you think that this is what you've always done it's really hard to take note and realize that you are feeling angry is become so ingrained in us and so ingrained in our reactions to things so I think really recognizing firstly a really good thing to look at is the somatic symptoms what happens for Mm. you when you get angry let's talk about what how does anger feel in the body and I think one thing I do with clients is describing your anger and giving it almost a form, giving it a color, giving it a feeling. And then when that anger comes, you know, it's easier to identify rather than just thinking it's this part of us. It's almost understanding anger as a separate part of us and knowing how it feels in your body. Does it make you feel hot? Does it make your heart race? Does it make you feel shaky? Does it make you feel sweaty? 
those things are really important to start to notice because when that's when you start to identify that that becomes front of mind right so when you do become angry again you have a moment of oh i'm feeling really hot and i'm feeling really sweaty okay, I think I might be feeling angry right now. And that's a really good way to connect back to our emotions and processing our emotions. When we are going through the spectrum of emotions in our life, it's very rare that we'll stop and say to ourselves, I feel really happy. (laughs) I feel really sad. (laughs) We don't label and identify, but anger, it's actually really good to do that um, first and foremost, because the earlier you identify anger, the quicker you can stop your reaction to anger and the aggression that might follow. Uh, another thing to notice, um, is that we may go through in therapy or to understand if you're listening at home is triggers. What triggers you? Everyone is so different with their triggers. Um, it can be from any of the things we said from feeling, um, certain emotions. It can be perceived injustice. It can be feeling really out of control in your world at the moment and things can trigger that. And I think sometimes when clients note down their triggers, there is a common pattern there. There's a common reason why they're feeling triggered and it may come back to one of or many of those things. So triggers and the physical symptoms that show up for you can be really, really great place to start when you're starting to recognize your own anger. What about you, Ames? You've got anything to add to that? Absolutely. Paying attention to your body is a really great place to start creating some awareness around when anger might be acting as a signal to let you know that something's not okay. Mm, It's a really good signifier, isn't it? Anger, that something's not okay and you need to turn inward. You need to intervene. I think that's really important to note, which actually brings us to our last point is managing anger. So once you identify and recognize it, How can we manage our anger, Ains? What are some really good strategies when you do identify and it does come up for you? What are some things that might help when you're feeling angry? Absolutely. So I like to incorporate neuroscience and mindfulness techniques to unlock our power uh, of anger as much as it is, you know, one of those stigmatized emotions. It absolutely can empower us and I think that is really important to tap into when we are looking at developing a healthier relationship with anger. So mindful meditation uh, allows anger to sit with us safely, paying attention to ourselves with kindness and curiosity that really supports the growth of the regulatory fibers from the prefrontal cortex to the lower regions of the brain. Like Kat was explaining earlier, um, that females tend to have larger areas of, uh, typically speaking. Literally, this sends a message to our brain to calm down. Uh, Even things like taking really deep breaths using our diaphragm. It sounds so obvious, Mm. right? But often that's the thing we forget to do when we're angry because it's so automatic and it's coming from our primitive brain. That those deep breaths engage the parasympathetic nervous system to soothing our threat response and put us into a state of rest and digest our relaxed state. And then we can start to notice that tension in our body and breathe into that and really feel a shift in in calming that. Another uh, tip or tool that I really like to use when working with anger is from Dan Siegel. Um, He's amazing and a a great, uh, he's actually a psychiatrist, but he has more of that psychodynamic framework in 
focusing on the interpersonal neuroscience. So he came up with this amazing saying, uh, name it to tame it. Really easy to remember. And it's kind of like if you're angry or agitated without judgment, state what you're feeling. And even better, if you can really tap into that primary emotion, that anger might be protecting. So it might be, I feel really hurt. And that's showing up as agitation in my body right now. We have an upstairs brain, our cortex, thinking, planning, uh, those kinds of functions. And we have a downstairs brain, which is subcortical. It's our limbic area. Uh, it's where our brainstem is responsible for our arousal states. That's where our fight flight is. Your right downstairs brain is where your amygdala, a little fire alarm is, which says, I'm scared, like, quick, protect me. And it is super, super active. So we get our left hemisphere upstairs brain to name the feeling from the downstairs brain. And that shoots soothing neurotransmitters down to the right limbic area, which soothes the activity going on in our amygdala. So we name the accurate emotion to calm our whole system down because it literally decreases cortisol. Use your body, I guess, to embody your anger. Uh, if you are someone who doesn't let yourself feel anger, use your whole body to feel it. And what I mean by that is stomp your feet. Say no. Say this is unfair. Clench your fists, growl. I know this might sound a little bit silly, but it's something that I will get clients to do if they struggle with um, letting anger sit. When you create embodied anger, it can help you begin to resolve past trauma and and learn your boundaries if it's never been safe for you to be there before creating that safety in your body can be a really great place to start and then next i would say be curious what needs to be protected here what is your body screaming out that hasn't been met what action do you need to take right now in order to meet those needs that your anger is being really stubborn about and making sure that you meet them. Oh, absolutely. I love those aims. You always have such a beautiful, reflective way to think about strategies. Um, so I think just a really quick and easy way to remember some things with anger is firstly, let's focus on physical symptoms as Ames was saying that needs to be addressed first thinking about your nervous system calming that down doing your deep breaths walking away i think creating a space between the trigger and your reaction will be really helpful i know that's really hard to do and i really appreciate that walking away when you're feeling threatened is not everybody's first response usually fight if you're someone who's quite angry fight is your first response not flight so acknowledging that you know, not reacting is harder than reacting. And also it's about once that's calmed down, you will be able to much better rationalize through your anger, right? So I always say, I remember working with kids and it's like, let's take those deep breaths and walk away. I know I sound like a teacher when I say that, but it's so true because <laughs> it is. when you're trying to rationalize and you're angry, you, you can't, you can't, you know, the upstairs thinking that's totally switching off. So just know you need to physically calm down before you can emotionally calm down, right? That is the most important thing, I think, when thinking about anger. And however that looks like to you, whether that's walking away, taking a deep breath, go and get a cool drink. I sound like I'm really talking to kids at the moment. But it's true. Yeah, and it's that shower. primitive part of our brain. Mm -hmm. So it, it works for adults too. 
Absolutely. And then after you get angry, acknowledge non-judgmentally what just happened for you. Instead of saying something that can help, I was feeling angry. It's like I was noticing that I felt angry when I was exposed to this trigger. Mm. You really depersonalize your anger because anger is such a normal feeling, but it has got that negative stigma around feeling angry. And if you feel as though you have that, that's been modeled to you or that's been the narrative around anger, looking at it from a really depersonalized viewpoint of, I noticed my thoughts. I noticed I felt angry, right? When you start to notice things from the outside, from an outsider's almost observer point of view, you're much better. You feel more in control, right? You're not letting your anger control you. You're starting to be able to control your, your anger. When you get angry, I should have mentioned this earlier, three things can happen. You repress it, and it manifests in symptomatically in other areas of your life. You let it out and you let almost, it becomes uncontrollable when you let out this anger and rage or you learn to control it. And I think they're your options. And knowing that when you're reflecting on what just happened, what option did you take and what could you take next time? I think that's really important to know. So what really went on for you? You were angry because someone pulled out in front of you. I really... I struggle with that so much, (laughs) this road rage. What's really going on for you? Do you think that it was about that or do you think that you've been feeling quite agitated all day? You've been sitting in traffic all day. You're feeling a little bit, you're feeling you're in pain or you had a fight with your partner. What's really going on for you? Did you feel like that was really unfair that they did that? Was it perceived injustice? Really going backwards. What what is anger trying to protect you from? What is there a feeling of vulnerability that your ego is also trying to protect you from? What are you afraid of? What are you ashamed of? What are you guilty of? What are you feeling sad or sorrowful or grieving about? Those questions can really help you to understand what's really going on for you and what anger is trying to protect you from, what painful feeling anger has been a response to. Um, Also, just learning the difference between anger and aggression, separating the two, normalizing anger. It's totally okay to feel angry. It's not okay to get aggressive. Um, Also, when you're feeling angry, you feel as though you are out of control. You feel as though you're trying to maintain some control. So reminding yourself that, you know, anger, what, what can you control in the here and now? The only thing, sometimes the only thing that you can control is your reaction, right? And that is completely up to you. It's not, anger can sometimes feel it controls you, but it really, really doesn't. As long as you start to calm the nervous system, have some space between your response and the trigger and start to learn that you can control it with these strategies, it's really helpful to move forward from, from, getting aggressive or to having that rage um, or I guess that blackout almost that lots of people feel that they have a blackout when they're angry. They can't remember what happened. Um, So learning those things can be helpful. Also humor. Sorry, I know I'm rattling on, but humor is such a great diffuser, a quick diffuser with when you're feeling angry. So if you have some way to add some humor into your life, whether calling a friend who can help to calm you down and is maybe can look at things on the brighter side of life can be super helpful as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think anger is a powerful but normal human emotion. It's part of our existence. It motivates us to create change when we perceive transgression and it drives us to gain attention when perhaps our needs are not being met. 
Learning to express anger in healthy ways is important for defining sense of self, honoring boundaries, and processing our experiences. Mm, absolutely, it is a it, it's a really healthy emotion that everybody feels. Even animals feel angry. <laughs> it's really hard to not feel angry. It's just what you do with it that's really important. Absolutely. Well, I think that is all we have time for today, Katniss. Now we did it. Our thirty-minute Tuesday. <laughs> We did it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope that was helpful and we will see you next time for a Q&A. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're not already, please follow us on Instagram at The Psychology Sisters. We are also now providing online psychological sessions. For more information, please follow us at The Psych Collaborative. See you next time.